everyone. Welcome back to Adhering Apologetics. Pumped to join us today to have Plantiga's Bulldog. We're going to be looking at uh, Emerson Green's recent video um, on why I'm an atheist, specifically like internal problems with theism. But Kyle, what's up? How's it going? Hey, how's it going, man? Good to be on. I always uh, appreciate being on streams with you, man. So. Yeah, it should be fun. I'm looking forward to this video. So we're going to be reviewing um, part five of Emerson Green's video. I'm an atheist. He's going to talk about like um, various internal problems within theism. So we chose this video because it, it's really good um, and it's worth thinking about. Um, so yeah, so I, I enjoyed this video a lot and it's definitely worth thinking about, which is why we made this or we're making this. So do you have anything you want to say, Kyle, before we dive into it? No, I'm just excited. This is a fun video, fun stuff to think about, and I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well, we're just going to dive right into it. And here we go. Here's the first part of today's clips. Number five. Theism suffers from internal problems. What I call internal problems fall into three loose categories. Inconsistencies, the use of problematic concepts, and absurdities. So these problems do lower the reasonableness of theism. They don't quite fit into my abductive approach, but I still want to mention them. These don't rule out all forms of theism. These objections are necessarily less general than the ones I've been talking about, since internal problems are most abundant when details of a hypothesis are elaborated. So first, inconsistencies. As I said in the first point, sorry, I forgot to pause a little behind. Kyle, do you have anything you want to say? I like this like little like preliminary like thought. So, do you have anything you want to add here? Uh, no, I think he's um, generally right. Uh, you know about some of what he's going to say, but I'll get into more specifics on that later. the The thing that did stick out to me though, and huge shout out to Emerson, the music he plays before his things. <laughs> it reminds mm -hmm. me of a couple bands that I love, uh, Polyphia and Animals as leaders, and it just makes me so happy. I'm just like, I love the music that he has. So. 10 out of 10 to Emerson for the music. So, yeah, the music's pretty good. I like it. Um, but I mean, I think he's basically right. Like, if you show a contradiction between like certain things within a worldview, then like, yeah, it'd be a problem for it or a specific like flavor of it. So, yeah, I agree. All deductive arguments for or against the existence of God Wait, ultimately fail since logically coherent responses are on the table. Oh, yeah. However, these responses are often incompatible with popular versions of theism and lead to quite unusual, in other words, uncommon forms of religion. For example, universalism comes in handy when trying to answer the problems of hiddenness, confusion, and when you're trying to solve inconsistencies that arise due to eternal conscious torment. Most Christians, however, are not universalists. So while deductive logical arguments do not decisively accomplish their ultimate aim, they can, in some cases, decisively rule out Christianity in certain forms, forms which are quite popular. The problem of heaven is one such interesting logical problem, so is the alleged incoherence of divine attributes. I made a series of episodes on atheism as I see the subject, but it's not a very dialectically useful approach. The theist can always just stipulate a new definition of God. And just because a theist, you know, maybe hasn't thought about it that much and currently holds to an incoherent notion of God without realizing it, doesn't mean that they couldn't just update their definition of God, stipulate new properties, and then the problem's gone. And then you just have to start over again. So like I said, dialectically, it's just not that useful. Even though if you put a gun to my head and said, is God coherent or incoherent, I would lean incoherent. I really would. I don't think that we've progressed past that as an argument. I don't think it's been decisively shown to be wrong. For better or worse, the general idea of divine incoherence was tied to the mast of logical positivism. So when verificationism went down, so did it. But it's not as if you have to be a logical positivist to suspect that there can't be an omniscient and omnipotent being, or a conscious being who exists timelessly. As I said, these are just suspicions of mine. There are responses and counter-responses and counter-counter-responses in any event, the subject of God's incoherence is not really discussed in polite company anymore. 
Some philosophers believe this is because we've progressed past it, not that it's merely out of fashion, but I don't think it's actually been discredited. Anyway. Okay, lots of great stuff here. Um, so I'll go first, I guess, is the plan, right, Kyle, you want me to do? Um, well, actually, I feel dumb. I, I completely forgot that I had notes for the, the last clip. Um, can I skim over that real quick? And then yeah, go for it. Good. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I just, I, I felt dumb because I, uh, oh yeah, you're good. Um, so uh, basically for reasons what I'll get into later, basically uh, like I think what Emerson said about his approach is, is pretty good. Um, although I'm not sure as to why he said that it lowers the reasonableness of theism. Um, but I do broadly agree what the problems he's going to bring up don't fit into the abductive approach of theism or, or of the abductive approach that he's doing. Um, and sort of while it's a little confusing whether he's doing like Draper's thing or Oppie's thing or some amalgam of the two or something completely different, um, you know, we're still aligning hypotheses or worldviews which make certain claims and consistence with what he said. Um, these can include various iterations of theistic hypotheses um, so that like the contradictions or the problems would only fit lined up against those particular things. So anyhow, that's that's what my thoughts were on the first one. Um, so anyhow, why don't you uh, go ahead and give your thoughts on this one. And I have a lot of thoughts on this clip right here. So, you know, so I mean, I think in one sense, like he's right, but in another sense, I'd probably disagree. So like with what I disagree, like, so think about like what, if we're talking about like the existence of God, right? So like theists are typically going to agree that God is like perfect. Um, like he has maximal power, knowledge, things like that. Um, and like what an inconsistency, like he brings up the example of like hell, um, or like eternal conscious torment, like maybe that's a contradiction. Um, so, but I think, people will change necessarily their doctrines, but they're not going to change their ideas about like, say God in the sense of like God being a perfect being. Um, like, I don't think anyone's like, Oh, hell exists. So God must not be perfect. Um, that might that'd probably be a very fringe theological view. Like people are going to just say like, the question is like what entails from a perfect being. Um, so we keep that in mind. And then Christians are going to keep like Christian scriptures or like Muslims, Muslim scriptures or things like that. Um, so that was like my big thing. And then obviously like, you know, we can do the same thing with atheism and just show like inconsistencies between like, say like, um, materialism and consciousness. Um, we can learn about like that form of atheism. So the same, it goes both ways, but I mean, I don't think he's like trying to make it sound like it's only a one way thing here. So yeah. What, what are your thoughts here, Kyle? Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts. Um, so, uh, <laughs> act surprised, right? Um, so the first thing I want to focus on is one particular set of comments that he made. He said some stuff about like, um, all deductive arguments, these and fail, but their responses lead to like strange kinds of religion or something like that. Um, and then he said, like, oh, but most reject it. Like, he mentioned universalism and stuff like that. And so I put aside stuff about deductive arguments. I, I'm not sure that I agree with that, but that's okay. Um, his statement here, though, is a little, a little strange. So he points out how he thinks that uh, responses to particular deductive arguments, um, i.e. the problem of heaven, rule out theism in popular forms of Christianity, which I'm like, okay, cool. Like, just don't believe those forms. Like, I'll say it again, like you should outright reject these forms if you think there is like a deductively valid reason to consider them false. But of course, then we have the statement he makes at the beginning about like all these like at the beginning of, of the video about or at the beginning of the section about um, these things lowering the probability of theism. And all I can take him to mean here is that it lowers the reasonableness of all forms of theism. And that's, of course, just probability, bad probability theorem, right? So if we have a part of our, our hypothesis, which is leading to false predictions, those false predictions do lower the reasonableness of the hypothesis, like in this case, theism. So say that Emerson is right, my belief in my belief in eternal conscious torment combined with my holding to theism is incoherent. 
Um, well, then, of course, I should accept that this lowers the conjunction of these two propositions. But if I just ditch my belief in eternal conscious torment, then, like, how would that lower the probability of my new version of theism? It can't because it, 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 it's just lowered the probability of the one that's making the false prediction. If I now have two propositions that aren't making false predictions, it's fine. Um, and then he has this thing about like inconsistencies can rule out Christianity in certain forms which are quite popular. And like, I agree with that. Like it, it, these inconsistencies can rule these things out, but whether or not it's popular is totally irrelevant. Like, please, please, please. If you think there is a formal contradiction between some popular form of Christianity and you're like, oh, that's false, then, then like say that it's false. Don't, and, and then go to one that, that you think is like, just don't ditch all of Christianity or all of theism on the grounds that like particular versions have, uh, you know, stuff that's wrong with them. And then of course, I think I agree with you, Zach, um, that uh, we're not really, you know, typically, you know, we're committed to God being the most perfect metaphysically possible being. So it's not really changing definitions if we find an incoherence. Um, it's holding the same definition uh, with a different analysis. Um, so, yeah, and, uh, oh, two more things. So. Um, he says that if you put a gun to my head, like I would lean to, towards saying that theism is incoherent. Well, like this is just kind of weird to me, right? Because um, it, again, if he's talking about theism in general, right? Um, that's, well, I, I guess, let me back up. He needs to understand that there's no such thing as like God qua God and whether or not that is coherent, right? There are models of God consistent with perfect being theism, which are coherent and others which are not, right? So it's not like God qua God is coherent or incoherent. It's the model of God, the particular model of God. And so the coherency like of one or another doesn't affect the coherency of the others, except insofar as they share some similar property, which is leading to a contradiction or sort of a low probability. Um, so maybe Emerson thinks that all models of God he's seen are quite possibly incoherent, but like his language is a little sloppy. And then the last thing is, he's like, I don't think we've moved past this as an argument. And like, he's 100% right, right? So this is still discussion mm -hmm. in the literature. They're really interesting arguments. And I will say the main place this is not considered to be a discussion of polite company is like online, YouTube, Twitter circles. Like these ideas are regularly addressed in the literature and they're very interesting. Um, I've looked into a fair amount of them. They're really great. Highly recommend people um, go look into those arguments. There's some really interesting ones. Um, so yeah, I agree. We haven't moved past um, incoherence of doctrines of God or anything as an argument. And, and it's a very interesting subject. So that's, think my, I'd add, that's, that's my yeah, bit. That's good. The, the only thing I think I'd add is like thinking about like, Emerson, like when he talks about like the own incoherence of God, like saying like, it's not true that we've just like moved on and there's nothing more to say. Like, I agree with you. Like he's totally right. Um, and I think that's something that like, theists do get wrong like they'll be like oh well, planning a just destroy the logical problem of evil and you know no one can ever talk about that again and like you know like he put it, he put a dent in it but he didn't like totally destroy it for the rest of eternity um and you know so you hear things like you know like darwin ended intelligent design and it's like no that's not really the case um but he put a dent in it and it's just like it goes both ways where we try to we make these big sweeping statements and then theists definitely are guilty of this um Absolutely, especially with like the yeah. of god or problem of evil so it's a good point worth thinking about um because making big sweeping statements about how something's just completely and demonstrably true, no matter what, and there's no good objections, da, da, da. Um, it's a little misleading sometimes. Yeah, and people and people online too tend to dismiss a lot of the like internal incoherence problems as well, um, like with like really old answers too. And I think that there's a lot of interesting stuff to be discussed there. So I 100% agree with you um, about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. Um, let's get into this next clip then.
There are additional internal problems with theism that stem from the fact that theism makes use of problematic concepts. Concepts such as libertarian free will, special creation, eternal conscious torment, and the scientific, historical, and moral inerrancy of the Bible. Many forms of theism come built in with certain notions of God, the afterlife, free will, and the Bible. If God's attributes can be demonstrated to be logically inconsistent, that particular version of God can be discarded. If libertarian free will can be demonstrated to be incoherent, as some have alleged it to be, any version of Christianity for which libertarian free will is an integral part can be discarded. Similarly, if we discard the notion of special creation, or eternal conscious torment for non-Christians, or the literal truth of certain passages of the Bible, certain often very popular forms of Christianity can be ruled out as well. As I said, internal problems like these can only apply to specific versions of theism. So if you think it can be pretty much decisively shown that the earth is not 6,000 years old, a form of Christianity, for which that notion is an integral part, can be discarded to that same extent. I remember being told by a close friend, you know, you pretty much can't be a real Christian and believe in evolution. So if the claim is either Christianity is true or evolution is true, then we can decisively rule out the form of Christianity that my friend had in mind. Okay, lots of good stuff here. Um, so I guess I'll go, do you want me to go first, Kyle? Yeah, shoot. Sure. So, I mean, I don't have too much to say because, like, in a sense that, like, I basically agree with him. Like, if you just show contradictions between, um, like, certain things, then you know that they both can't be true. Um, so, like, yeah, he's right there. Um, but, I mean, the same thing could just be said towards atheism. So, I mean, this is Emerson's personal video, so it's not like I don't think he's saying, well, everyone needs to think the way I think. And I know he wouldn't say that. Um, but at least the way, like, I'm approaching this and thinking about this, it's like, yeah, there's contradictions between, like, certain things. Like, young earth creationism is, like, almost certainly false. Um, it's like that strand of Christianity is almost certainly false. But that doesn't mean, like, Christianity as a whole is false or anything like that. And he's not arguing that. But it's just, it's like, it's doing a lot of the good stuff where we're trying to get these, like, bad views of things out. And we do the same thing with, like, atheism. Like, um, say, like, materialism is probably false because we have, like, consciousness and whatnot. Um, or like there's questions with like, he talked about like libertarian, the incoherence of like potentially free will. But there's also like the question of like, could you have moral responsibility if there's no free will, um, which is an interesting question. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I basically agree. I just think it cuts both ways. So what do you have to say, Kyle? Kyle, you there? You're on mute. Well, Kyle's gone, so this will be fun. We'll just wait. I'm going to write this timestamp down so I can, like, trim this out once we're done. Um, let's see what Kyle's saying. Kyle. Kyle, you there? Kyle. Well, Kyle's not here, so what we'll do is just wait, and it's going to be awkward for live viewers and people for, like, for the next day. Um, but eventually what we'll do is we'll turn this out and get this fixed up. But right now, we'll just awkwardly wait for Kyle. So hopefully he responds to my text. So, yeah. Um, no one's watching, so it's fine. Kyle said my computer decided to lock up. That's sad. Okay, well, we'll just wait for Kyle, so. And we'll just wait here, um, and there's no one last watching, but if you wanna do like a little Q&A right now while we wait, we can do that, um, but.
true. Have you ever considered a collab with Pat Flynn? I do not know who Pat Flynn is. Interesting question, though. Well, guys, thanks for hanging in with us. I apologize for this. If you're listening to a podcast, hmm, we'll figure it out. I don't know what happened. There you there. are. Welcome back. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I was doing stuff in another tab, and then my browser just locked up. It was super fun. Um, so I don't particularly remember where we were. Can you remind me? Or you so know, you were asking my thoughts. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so I was turning to you on the different concepts part. Um, so I said my spiel. So what do you yeah. Um, so first thing, uh, this just consistently bugged me throughout this part of his video. He just keeps bringing out popularity. I'm like, dude, I don't care about how popular a form is. If it's false. It's false. Reject it, please. Just, just seek truth. That's my request. Like popularity, totally unimportant. Um, okay. Um, but anyhow, um, so I think I think I would want to want him to reference like different models of Christianity in his discussion here, rather than Christianity qua Christianity, like you said. Um, but like like I said, you know, still this is only reason to reject particular models rather than Christianity itself or theism itself. And again, if you find those models problematic, reject those. And if you can't. And, and if not, you can't probabilistically fault the other models which don't contain these false features. Um, and so that that's the one thing I would say is that um, it's it's pretty much, I mean, this, this, this has extremely relevant bearing on particular models. It doesn't have general bearing on the general question. It's not like theism as a concept in general is lowered in probability or Christianity in general. It's these particular models of Christianity that are made up of these particular sets of improbable or false um, propositions. So, which I think he may think that, um, but he doesn't belie that very well with how he says what he says. Mm -hmm. So what if like, I'm just saying to think like, what if like, let's say there's like a thousand models of Christianity and like showing inconsistencies between like these Christian teachings and like theism, um, you rule out like 500 of them. That would decrease the probability of Christianity though, right Kyle? Um, not really, though, because, I mean, if you think about it, right, so the reason that those models, um, let's say the 500 models are false, at least if he is a good Bayesian, like he should be, um, the reason that those models are false is because um, they're either, like, deductively false, right, so they, they make a prediction or contain a proposition that has a likelihood of zero, so it's it's specifically false, right, and mm -hmm. then, um, and, or it contains something that's probabilistically un unlikely, it makes a false prediction, Right. And so certainly if a model contains one of those particular items, right, um, it lowers the probability of that model. But it can't just lower any probability of anything unless there's or any probability of any theistic model or any Christian model, unless there's a general shared feature among all models, which is leading to a false prediction or is certainly false. So that's the only way that it could lower the probability of all theisms or all models of Christianity. But he admits openly that 
the things he's thinking about here, like special creation, those are not shared among all models. So maybe all models that make spe that have special creation as a part of them, it lowers the probability or falsifies those models. But certainly, like it's not at all going to affect anything if the model doesn't contain that because it doesn't contain the thing that's making the false prediction. So it can't have its probability lowered. Hmm. Okay, that's good. Let's get into this next bit right here. One internal problem for theism is religious epistemology. Problems with religious epistemology are not to do with logical inconsistencies, but rather the faultiness of the methods of how we come to know about God's existence, nature, and relationship to us. Revelation, consulting holy texts, dreams, visions, prayer, religious experience, and faith are probably not reliable means of gathering accurate information about the world. Okay, so I know you have a lot to say, Kyle, on this little bit, um, but I'll just say like one thing with like re with regards to like religious experience. I was reading the existence of God by Richard Swinburne, and he has a really interesting quote talking about this. So I'm just going to read this. Um, he says, "On um, this is on the argument from religious experience." He brings forward. He said, "Quite obviously, having the experience of it seeming epist epistemically to you that there is a table there that is you're seeing to seeing a table is good evidence for supposing that there is a table there." Having the experience of it seeming to you that I am here giving a lecture, that is, you, you're seeming to hear me give a lecture, is good evidence for supposing that I am here lecturing. So generally, contrary to the original philosophical claim, I suggest that it is, that it is a principle of rationality that, in the absence of special considerations, if it seems epistemically to a subject that X is present and has some characteristic, then probably X is present and has that characteristic. What, what, what one seems to perceive is probably so. So just to say that, like, I probably disagree with him a little bit on religious epistemology because I think experience is a pretty decent guide to reality. Um, what are your thoughts here, Kyle? Yeah, so I think that Emerson has uh, more more and greater issues than that. But, but sort of rewinding mm -hmm. back to the beginning of what he said. Okay, so, um, you know, as Emerson knows, like much ink has been spilt on how people do and should come to religious beliefs. I'm not saying I endorse it, but obviously outplanning a series on Christian belief um, is a well-known place to start his trilogy. Um, there's also a paper by Trent Doherty and I think uh, Brandon Rickabaugh called Reforming Reformed Epistemology, which is another way of looking at it. Um, I'm not saying, like, I'm sure Emerson knows all about that. I'm just throwing this out there as a good starting place um, to how theists have answered the question if people want to look into it. Um, Okay, so in any case, it's it's a little hard to see why this is some sort of in, internal problem which lowers the reasonableness of theism. So maybe discuss this in another video, like the explanatory connection between bad religious epistemology um, among people and like the likelihood of theism. But like, there's not really an evidential bearing that comes onto theism or Christianity from bad religious epistemology. Um, so it just seems weird to bring up. I'm not quite sure I understand. Um, but okay, I think there, he has a far bigger problem here, right? So first of all, Emerson asserts that most of the method, methods that um, people cite for coming to belief are most likely not guides to truth, right? So maybe this is true, right? But I wanna look at two kinds. First of all, um, authority, and second of all, religious experience, right? So in terms of authority, like many, many, many of our beliefs are reliably formed by listening to the proper authorities, right? So like we learn things by listening to our parents, um, by listening to like um, teachers and other things, right? Um, and so of course it's possible a generally reliable authority could be false on any given point, but that doesn't mean that anyone who listens to this generally reliable authority, um, so maybe you're it's a kid or some or an adult listening to a pastor or a parent who's generally, generally reliable and then forms belief, 
based on testimony. Like that's that seems like to me that's generally reliable. And if they're justified in this way, then this way, then there's like no problem with religious epistemology whatsoever, because that's how a lot of people um, come to their belief in God. And then <laughs> the problem, which I find just unfathomable, Emerson for Emerson here, is that he calls out religious experience. But like, as far as I know, Emerson is a phenomenal conservative, and literally all you need on phenomenal conservatism to be justified is that if S has a seeming that P, then S is prima facie justified in believing that P, right? And this is just obviously the case with religious experiences. People have a very strong seeming that God exists and thus given Emerson's own epistemology are justified by their religious experiences. And most of the religious experience on Emerson's or most of them don't have the feeders that they're aware of. So again, just by covering authority and religious experience on Emerson's own criterion, most people are justified in believing that God exists and even granting that somehow, like some way, this is a problem of religious epistemology. Um, it's total, like the reasonableness of theism, um, or sorry, even granting that um, somehow, some way, this problem of religious epistemology is bad for theism, which I don't think, I don't understand how that could be the case. It's totally reasonable that the vast majority of people are justified by authority and religious experience. And again, like Emerson is a phenomenal conservative. He has to grant that people with religious experiences are justified. And if he admits that they're justified, then there's no problem of epistemology because that's just the question of epistemology. How are people justified? And in particular, in this case, um, for religious epistemology, like how are people justified in believing um, religious claims? So that, that I think is a really huge problem. And I would certainly be interested in um, what he thinks about that. Yeah, that, that'd be interesting. I don't know. I feel like I'm missing something here with regards to because I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty certain he's a phenomenal conservative because he sent me a paper on it recently. Um, but yeah, so I don't really have much else to add. You want to get into this final clip, Kyle? Yeah, let's go. All right, let's do it. Oh, it fell off my screen. So we'll have a couple more seconds here. Do 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 do. All right, here we go. As I said, five is about internal problems. Inconsistencies are easier to demonstrate than absurdities, since absurdity is in the eye of the beholder. Even so, I think there are informal, narrative-style arguments against forms of theism that show, for many, the absurdity of a religious worldview. Put simply, many of us are unable to believe the story. This is highly subjective and personal. Nevertheless, I think it should be mentioned in an episode with a title like this one. So, here are a few expressions of what I call a narrative argument. Christopher Hitchens on the 100,000 years point, Scott Clifton, the theoretical bullshit on God's checklist, Dan Barker on the good news. Atheism has some intuitive appeal, and I think these so-called narrative arguments can help elucidate that intuitive appeal. This is an idea I plan on exploring more in a future episode, so for now I'll just put a few links in the show notes in case you're unfamiliar with those three examples of what I'm calling narrative arguments. So, I mean, I don't have too much to say here. I mean, I I agree that like narrative arguments can be fine. Like they're decent, like they're good and they're helpful to think about things. But it's funny because like my intuitions are like narrative arguments are like the exact opposite direction for me. Like when I think about like the Christian narrative, it like, it just makes a lot of sense to me. And, it's, and I'm like, yeah, this is actually probably true. Like humans are pretty messed up people. And we, there's a big moral gap between like who we are and what we ought to be. And you know, the like it's just like, it's funny because it's just like my intuitions are just the opposite. But like, you know, he doesn't say like, this is the truth, this is my way. You have to follow this, da, 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 da. So yeah, I don't know. Do you have anything you and I, Kyle? Yeah, so I think uh, uh, this is, I think my favorite part of this part of Emerson's video. 
um, because I really do want to appreciate his recognition of the value of narrative in assessing the truth of hypotheses. Um, so I think that that's a really important tool um, in assessing hypotheses. Um, so I will say that at least I've always found, I don't know, the th didn't recognize the third one example that he gave, but like I always found Hitchens and Clifton's um, narratives to be a bit of straw men, but irregardless, right? I think it's really important, the point that he's made, um, that given a narrative for a given model of theism or Christianity, uh, Christianity seeming unreasonable or insensible, like that can be good reason to think that the hypothesis is false or improbable. So I think he is right um, in general that, um, you know, narrative and unsensible, irrational narrative, that that's a good reason to think, um, hey, this is probably not true, right? So anyhow, I think that's it. Yeah, I think that's good. I mean, that's the end of this video. Um, so even with you like disappearing on me for like three minutes, like we did this in under 30. Um, so do you have anything else you want to say, Kyle, before we wrap up here? Uh, not really. I appreciate you having me on, man. Yeah, I know. This is fun. I thought it'd actually go a lot longer than it did. Um, but I mean, all I'd say is like Emerson's a really cool guy. Um, great content. And I hope this made sense. So yeah, it's been really fun. And I enjoy like listening to his stuff because he's, he puts out really good content. Um, and it's worth thinking about. So, yeah. Anything else, Kyle, with regards to like following you or anything like that? I know you have a YouTube channel coming up at some point, but you know. Yeah. So it's actually not the Planning as Bulldog channel that will be there after I do a lot more research. Um, but me and a buddy of mine, uh, Josh, um, sometime in September, um, it's going to be the first week of September, but then I had vacation. So I'm actually going up towards your direction, Zach. Um, yeah, baby. Yeah. So, um, but anyhow, I, uh, and so sometime in September, uh, we have a channel um, called First Principles, um, and uh, we're going to do um, some sort of systematic analyses of a lot of like popular um, YouTube atheist videos, um, comparing them uh, to the, the literature on the topics that they're discussing, and then just sort of uh, deconstructing them and just sort of uh, looking at, um, you know, what's being said. Uh, we also hope to interview some philosophers on a variety of topics, um, some of which will be philosophy, religion related, others which will not. Um, and maybe even do some, uh, you know, reviews of papers and literature. Um, point being, very philosophically inclined channel. Um, just stuff that me and Josh enjoy doing. Um, and so it's called First Principles um, and should be having our first video out sometime in September. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, dude, I'm super psyched for when that comes out. Let, let me know and we'll be sure to share it. And I'm excited to watch it. So I appreciate it. a lot it, of fun. Yeah, so thank you everyone who tuned in. Um, I hope you enjoyed this, that it was edifying for you, that it blessed you, and it can help you just think a little bit more as you think about these things. And to Daniel and Catholic Place and everyone else who listened, we wish you the best. Uh, God bless, and we'll see you next time.